Welcome to Word Salad Radio Presents, Quote Unquote Guilty. I'm your host, Joe Ketchum, and I'm joined today once again by Tyler Pistorius. How's it going, Tyler? It's going. How are you, Joe? Uh, my throat's a little scratchy because I ate uh-huh. a french fry and I'm 38. So apparently you can't do that at 38 without having severe long-term uh, ailments from it. But, you know, my body's a mystery. It reveals new things to me every day. <laughs> <laughs> so... Listeners, uh, for those who are under the age of 38, uh, when you turn 38 and you have a French fry, you risk getting that cat scratch fever. Yep. So if I <clears throat> make weird noises with my throat for a little bit, you know, I'm trying. <laughs> it also means that Joe's not muting himself, so we're going to be listening to guttural sounds this entire episode. So well, that, uh, that, that, one, that one snuck up on me while I was talking. That's, that's <laughs> the real risk. It's like if while Tyler's talking, I can I can mute. And yes. hack my lung off, but <laughs> uh, we'll see how it goes. Indeed, but no, I, I'm doing well. It's it's been a pretty lazy Saturday for me here. Nice, nice. I I went to the food truck fest in town and got a um. Let me try to remember what this thing was called. It was a spicy uh strawberry chicken melt. Oh, that sounds good. It was very very good. So I was I was very happy with my lunch. And then for dinner, I had uh, uh, it's a chicken patty, but it's made out of you know fake chicken. It's like a, a okay. non-chicken patty and French fries. And one of the fries tried to kill me. I didn't even like choke on or anything. I just ate them normally. And now I'm like, uh, <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> apparently that uh, French fry had a vendetta, the had a score to settle. Yeah, yeah. Over remember, what I remember, have... they say <laughs> the yes. Ides of oh. April. <laughs> yeah, what the vendetta was over, I have no idea, but uh, we, I'm sure that will all be revealed in good time. Yes, like a good uh, third act denouement. Uh, and speaking of good third acts, um, and speaking of good denouements, today's episode is going to be centered around the 1997 thriller titled Breakdown with, uh, with Kurt Russell, Kathleen Quinlan, and the late J.T. Walsh. And yeah, this movie, my God, this was this was one that I saw a bunch of times when it was running on HBO when I was a kid. And then I hadn't seen it in years. And then I think at one point you and I had talked about breakdown via text message or something. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up uh, catching it last year. And then just this year, uh, you and I got the chance to actually sit and watch it together, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and yeah, this yeah breakdown, man, it's so good. It's just so good. It is. And. <laughs> I hadn't heard of it before like five years ago when we were um, when we were partnered up with the Countdown podcast and on the same network and doing stuff together. And um, I started like as a promo for them doing my own top 10 lists on filmmonthly.com, like my own top 10 articles to go along with their episodes and then plug their podcast. And it turned out that's a lot of work to do every week. So I only did it a few times and then completely gave up on it. But the first one was Kurt Russell movies. And so I, I went through and like, okay, what's streaming with Kurt Russell? What could I watch? Oh, Bone Tomahawk. Cool. I've never seen that before. Um, let's rewatch Escape from New York because I haven't seen that in so long. And then I came across mm-hmm. Breakdown. I might have watched Tombstone in that run too. I think I watched that Oh, nice. Lately. I don't know. Yeah, okay. But then I came across Breakdown. I was like, never even heard of this one. 
and watched it and loved it. Thought it was incredible. Oh yeah, <clears throat> like it's it's one of the best uh, Hitchcockian thrillers that oddly enough Hitchcock, of course, did not make because he was long dead by that point. <laughs> and it it blows my mind too that it was directed by uh, Jonathan Mostow. Uh, and I'm going to read off some film titles that he is associated with: U five seven one masterpiece, Surrogates, ooh, <laughs> The Hunter's Prayer, and last. And probably least, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently, he didn't write Terminator 3, but he did write this and U571, so that's more more fitting. Yeah, and he he did not write... A representation of his talent, I think. Yes, he did not write The Hunter's Prayer either. Um, And there's only one known actor in that, and that is uh, Avatar guy, Sam Worthington. (laughs) Uh, Avatar guy's in it? Avatar oh, guys in it. That film's budget was seventeen million, and its box office was two hundred and thirty-six thousand dollars, eight hundred and twenty dollars. <laughs> wow, two hundred thirty-six thousand eight hundred twenty dollars. That was the overall box office gross for Jonathan Mostow's last directorial feature, *The Hunter's Prayer*. I guess, uh, I guess, uh, Avatar guy uh, couldn't uh, fill those seats. Now, if it was James Cameron playing that guy, that might we might have a different story here. But uh, enough about the hunters, the hunters' prayer. Never heard uh, of it before. No idea what well, that is. You have heard of it now, and I have not seen it, and I it does not look particularly as interesting as Breakdown. Breakdown. Uh, my God, just a. Well, the thing is, it opens up with a nightmare scenario. One of the worst fears that I would have if I'm if I'm driving anywhere is having my car break down somewhere and I have no idea where I'm at. Yeah, it, it really breaks down in the middle of nowhere. Like, it, it's all filmed kind of in the area where I live in Arizona. But, like, as soon as you get out of town, it's like this movie. It's like just desert and mountains as far as the eye can see. No, you're, You come across towns here and there, but mostly it's that wide open, empty space. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it is concerning when you're driving between towns. You're like, okay, what if I break down right now? What is going to happen? It's actually when when Amanda left, she she was down here for like a month. And then at the end of my spring break, drove back with our dogs. And like 40 minutes after she left, she calls me and sa- or yeah, calls me and says, I have a flat tire. It's like, oh, God. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thankfully, she was like in the middle of a town, like a bigger town than this town. So it was like by the time I got there, she had already been towed to discount tire and things were happening. And I was really just there to uh, take her to breakfast and kill time until her tire was replaced because she, yeah. uh, she she destroyed it real good. <laughs> <laughs> I bet she did. <laughs> but if that had happened... An hour later, out in the middle of nowhere, that's a very different scenario. Yes, a, a far more terrifying scenario. <laughs> yeah, especially with uh, the ghost of J.T. Walsh driving around. No kidding. Go- ghost of uh, J.T. Walsh driving around, gaslighting people. <laughs> so it doesn't It doesn't begin with the breakdown. I, I think we should establish there is some setup right. where, uh, you know, uh, Kurt Russell... Jeff Taylor is uh, is driving through the through the desert with his wife, and um, they they get they get cut off by this truck and almost get in a car accident. And there's a lot of honking and ah oh, son of a bitch, what's going on? And uh, they 
at the gas station have a little confrontation with the driver of the truck. Like, hey, you're trying to get me killed. You're trying to do – what are you doing? Like, hey, bucko, you know, just kind yes. of alpha male <laughs> crap. You got a real nice car, buddy, you know, that kind of stuff. And oh, uh, yeah. then they break down in the desert and, oh, then the then we're off to the races. Yep. And then um, – <clears throat> and the guy you were talking about earlier who um, was driving like an asshole, Earl – he drives by after they've been broken down. Then he comes to a stop, which is already sort of like, okay, what's going on here? This is this is creepy. Had a had an altercation with this guy, and now he's driving ahead, and now he's stopped. But then an 18-wheeler comes, and then Earl drives off, and then the 18-wheeler that pulls up is none other than the ghost of J.T. Walsh as Red. <laughs> <laughs> and we're referring to him as the ghost of J.T. Walsh listeners because uh, after... After this film was uh, completed, uh, J.T. Walsh uh, sadly passed away. Uh, he passed away in the year 1998 in the month of February. Yeah, uh, Kathleen a, Quinlan dropped a truck on him. Uh, yes, that's how. He, that's exactly how he died. <laughs> that's how he dies. <laughs> I mean, it says on Wikipedia there was a heart attack, but we all know that it was well, Kathleen Quinlan dropped a, <laughs> dropped when you, a truck when you him. When you watch a truck fall 500 feet onto your face, I assume your heart explodes in the in the interim <laughs> whether it does before or after the truck hits you what thing is what thing we know for sure is that his heart is not going to be in one piece yeah yeah <laughs> nor is that body <laughs> technically the cause of death was heart failure <laughs> heart failed to stop that truck heart heart failed to pump blood after the truck landed on his body <laughs> But so no, good. I, I love J.T. Walsh. I, I'm a big fan of his, yes. especially from um, A Few Good Men, where uh, he has a great significant role in that. And even watching this, I was like, OK, like I know this guy from a bunch of stuff, but what do I what am I really recognizing him from? And as soon as I looked at his filmography, I was like, of course, A Few Good Men. Now I got yep. it. Now, now he's placed. It's in a Colonel Matthew Andrew Markinson. Yeah. Uh, who uh, who checks himself out uh, before the conclusion of that film. He does a little bit of, uh, yeah, click, click, boom. Yep, uh, click, click, bloom to his face. <clears throat> yep, his he takes his face off. off. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like how um, that, that truck took his face and his entire body off. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember exactly how the movie played out. I remembered the breakdown. I remembered that she got in the truck and then she disappeared. And I had no idea what happened after that. I couldn't remember anything else. Here's what I thought was going to happen as we were rewatching it. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that Earl was going to end up being an ally. I thought Earl was going to maybe not throughout the entire movie, but by the end, be a good guy. And the the message there was that you can't judge this guy just because you had a little fight with him. It's like, he's a good guy. And even, and I thought that because even at the gas station, they like give him a CB handle. It's like shit for brains or something. And I thought he was going to get his hand. I thought in the climax of the film, him versus he's, he's hunted down his wife. It's him versus this redneck army. And he gets on the CB. It's like, hey, it's shit for brains. You got to come <laughs> help me. And I thought Earl was going to show up with his posse and it would be that. But it's not that at all. Everyone in this movie is in Red's little human trafficking <laughs> yes. brigade. Everyone is against Kurt Russell in this movie. Yeah, it, it, seriously, it's it's like if the town were the Sawyers in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
basically. Yeah, <laughs> but it's exactly. the entire town. But it's the entire town that they're they're in uh, Red's little uh, circle of human trafficking. Human trafficking crimes. Let's just call it that. Human trafficking they're, they're, crimes. They've driven through. They've driven through the Get Out Village, where, yes. where everyone is. Everyone's in on the human trafficking. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And obviously, both uh, Kurt Russell and uh, Kathleen Quinlan's characters re- were not well read up on their stranger danger, uh, <laughs> because <laughs> because uh, Kathleen Quinlan is offered to be given a ride by the ghost of J.T. Walsh into town. So they can uh, get whatever they need to to get the, uh, the the truck up and running again. So she goes in, and then it turns out that uh, Kurt Russell is able to fix it because, of course, he can. He's Kurt Russell. It's Kurt Russell. Then, he just snaps his, he twinkles his nose, and it's fixed. Exactly. And then uh, he goes to this uh, little diner that's also a bar where they're supposed to be meeting up, and Red and his wife are nowhere to be seen. So. Then Jeff has to go out and basically drive around until he finds the truck. And he does happen to find the truck. And then that's when the that's when the the thrill, the thriller proper really begins, because one, it takes him a while to get the truck to stop because uh, Red's acting like he doesn't know who this guy is. And then once they pull over and then they engage each other, Red continues to act like he's never met uh, Kurt, uh, Jeff's character, uh, Jeff, before. And so right. that's what it's like, okay, okay, now now the thriller has begun because we are opening we are now opening the suspense with gaslighting. This is cool. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah, I've never met you before. I don't know who your wife is. You must be crazy. You sound crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Those classic gaslighting tropes. And uh then uh there's a sheriff that is uh, stopped. And the, I, I was trying the hero of the piece, you might say. <laughs> uh sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you might not. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, given the amount of times that he harasses Kurt Russell, I'm I'm still not entirely convinced that Sheriff is not in on it. It's just that. Uh, oh, that's a good fan theory, because everyone's in on this human trafficking thing. Yeah. Of course, the sheriff probably would also be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the only reason why he changes his mind at the end is because Earl shoots him. <laughs> That's the only reason. <laughs> yeah, that's the only evidence against it is that Earl shoots him. That should have been the reveal in that scene. Is that like, Earl, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, you're in on this too? Harumph. I did not see that coming. <laughs> and then he runs him over with a truck and escapes. Yes. Gaslighting happens. The sheriff happens. And the sheriff is a, is way more suspicious of Jeff. Even though Jeff is basically basically saying his wife's been kidnapped, and <laughs> and the sheriff is not taking the kidnapping seriously. No, it doesn't uh, he, care. No, it doesn't care. I mean, all cops are bad, basically. Yeah, all he's got masters. a he's got traffic tickets to write, and you know, black teenagers to suffocate. Something something else more pressing. He's too in his busy mind. not doing his job. That's what the case is. <laughs> If his wife's missing, that's no fun. Like that happens all the time, and he's never gonna find her. But mm-hmm. you know, he he can find a, an intent to distribute pot, you know, around the corner. That's true. And they just blame it on the blame it on the teens, and then they go yeah, to prison. exactly. And then they teens go to prison and their drugs, and they go to prison for fifty years. God bless America. God uh, anyway. bless America, and especially Arizona. Yes, Arizona, nineteen ninety seven. Arizona, nineteen ninety seven. Um. 
I will say Arizona 1997 does look better than, say, Florida 2023 or Texas 2023. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably fair. And then, yeah, it's the, the whole thing. It's just literally Kurt Russell just being completely on his own because he goes back to the diner. They met, they say that they never saw his wife or anything like that. And then and then Kurt Russell wants to see the receipts. And then that's when even the diner is like, I think you just about had enough of you, mister. You need to get the <laughs> hell on out of here. <laughs> yeah, because, of course, if Red just took her, it wouldn't they wouldn't stop at the the diner for food along the way. They just keep going and, you know, tie her up mm -hmm. and throw in a freezer or whatever, wherever he kept her during all this. I think passed her off to the other truck is, I yeah, guess, what what's meant to be implied. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's implied that um, it's not just uh, Red, but it's also Earl and uh, Billy. They've all got their own vehicles, and so they probably. So what probably happened was is that uh, Red was uh, transported Amy, that's the wife's name, to either Earl or Billy. I, I think I think I think Earl because at that point, whenever the two actually initially meet, uh, Earl's the one closest. Yeah, um, yeah, Earl's right there. He drives off, and the truck would have caught up with Earl, and yeah, passed her, passed her off into the truck. Yep, exactly. That makes sense. And then, yep. Yeah, and then we don't see Earl for a while, uh, but we do see Billy, and Billy's also kind of yeah, he he's definitely in on this, and so and, and he starts acting like uh he he starts to act like a like a like a young boy who's a little slow. Yeah. Whenever he initially meets uh, <laughs> Kurt Russell's character. And then out of nowhere, he starts becoming hostile towards him, too, even in character. Well, well he gets the real, like, reluctant. He's like, oh, the mm -hmm. the bar, the shopkeep is watching me. I'm going to get I'm going to get slapped around if I talk to you too much. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. But and he calls uh, him a yeah. dummy, he calls him a dummy at one point. <laughs> yeah. I do think that's an ongoing character. Like he works for the diner as that character, like Ed Norton in the score. <laughs> I, I mean, that's possible. That's entirely possible. And it's funny you mentioned Ed Norton because uh, I was literally thinking of uh, Primal Fear, uh, oh, which yeah. is a year which which came out the year before this. And so I was thinking, oh, is this uh, Jack no Noseworthy? Is the actor's name as Billy? Is he doing like some you know Primal Fear stuff where he's pretending to be one person and then he pretends to be a completely different person? And then I forgot that he had does that in the score because I forgot that I'd seen that movie. It's been so long since I've seen that one. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I like it a lot. It's it's yeah. a good guilty pleasure. Yeah, I'll just see um, that one again. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy it. I don't know if it's available anywhere, if I own it. I think I had it on DVD at one point. I'd be surprised if I still did. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, Jack Noseworthy, who is not in any way related to Ron Howard, which is very surprising to me. Because <laughs> he does look like Ron he Howard. He looks like Richie Cunningham to a T. He, looks, he does. <laughs> man, he looks right, like Ron Howard's son, twin brother, like... He looks so Howardy to me, and yeah. no, no relation apparently at all, and no relation to Clint Howard either. That's sad. Because <laughs> ever well, like all the time, because I know this kid from U five seven one, which makes mm -hmm. sense, same director. And every yeah. time I watched U five seven one, like before the internet, I was like, "That's got to be Ron Howard's son." I was like, "It's got to be." And then I, I don't remember when at some point I looked it up. I was like, "Hey, I have." U571 on a DVD and the internet, I can find out if this is Ron Howard's son. No, it is not. Nope. No relation. But He's man, it kills me, the resemblance between the two. <laughs> it's like hey, I'm yo. being gaslit by the internet, <laughs> by Ron Howard. I was like, hey, I never met us. I never had a son. I've never, I've never been a son. <laughs> hey, that's... that's Sheriff! Yeah. I don't know. This guy's messing with me or something. This has to be his son. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, boy. It's my and own I, Hitchcockian I, horror for yes. the last 20 years plus 25. Is watching movies and being gaslit by the actors that you see because you're because you, you trick your mind to thinking that the actor is related to Ron Howard. Yeah, that that happens more than you think. It's like, oh, that person is definitely related to Ron Howard. All right. Weirdly, never happened with Clint Howard. Like, I don't see the resemblance there at all. <laughs> I also don't really see the resemblance between Ron Howard and Bryce Dallas Howard. No, me either. Just I mean, this both... kid. This is the only kid in yeah. Hollywood who looks like Ron Howard and is not a Howard. I think that's the ghost of J.T. Walsh just fucking with you right now. <laughs> like a goddamn perception filter. I know, right? I know. It's been 25 years since he passed, but his specter still looms large over Mr. Joe Ketchum here. It does. <laughs> and uh, speaking of looming large, um, so Jeff is still pretty much fucked at this point. Uh, he, he rushes over to uh, a location that Billy mentions, but then here comes the looming Earl, uh, who yep. is definitely... Not Jeff's friend at this point, <laughs> and will probably not be his friend later on. Well, when he when he pulls up and starts shooting at him, I was like, okay, I don't think Earl's ever going to be an ally. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> I don't think nope, it's nope, going to nope. be revealed that Earl is secretly a good guy. Yeah, once you're once you're trying to pump lead into the person, yeah, I think it's safe to say that uh, you two you ain't going to be having a cup of coffee together. Not going to be uh, buddies after all this is over, probably. Although yes. that is how John McClane and Al Powell met. So, you know, you never know. You never know. And, and um, Pacino De Niro, they meet over coffee, and then they try and shoot each other later in yeah, heat. There's, that's, yes. a, that's an important sequence to the, <laughs> to the relationship. <laughs> yes, yeah. But they have the coffee first, and then they try to kill each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. Here, here so there's a- no coffee, nothing like that. They just, <laughs> Earl, Earl just wants Jeff dead. This is where the story, the structure of the movie gets really interesting because mm-hmm. when she gets in the truck with Red, I'm like, how are they believably going to have Kurt Russell find him and find her? Because now she's gone. And this is kind of when I assumed their their racket was human trafficking. Like she's going to be sold into slavery. She's going to be sold to organ peddlers. Like there's any number of horrible black market stuff they could do with their kidnappies. So how's Kurt Russell going to find her? But it turns out they're not as fucking evil as I anticipated. They are out for ransom. They they want to find him. They want to also kidnap him. They mm-hmm. want all the money in his bank account. Yes. And he gets the wife back. Although presumably he gets they get the money and kill them both. Like why would they let them go? Like I think that's the assumption. Yeah, just yeah, kidnap them, uh get money out of them and then dispose of them exactly. And so we get a we get an exciting chase sequence where uh, Kurt Russell demonstrates that he is a fantastic swimmer, and then he oh, uh, the best. Yes, <laughs> I mean I, I uh, Jason Momoa, I love you, but uh, in your next Aquaman movie, which there's not going to be one, there's there not going to it's uh, not, it's not possible. No, no, well, not not after this this second one that's going to come out. <laughs> so I guess yeah, I mean that's that, there is going to be a next one, but not a one, a third one. Yes, yeah. If there was going to be a third, um, Jason Momoa, I think you, you should be th- thankful that Kurt Russell is not going to be the antagonist because uh, when it comes to swimming, not even Aquaman can compete. <laughs> but with Kurt Russell, but that will not happen. So Jason Momoa, you're in the clear, and I hope we get to see you in Doom Messiah. 
which I'm enjoying so far. Also, um, Jeff, after swimming away, he, he gets knocked out by Billy, and then he gets confronted by Billy and Earl. And this this part's really cool. This this is where something set up beforehand. It was basically just sort of a kind of a menial exchange between a husband and wife. It was over uh, uh it was over the wrapper on a we, on a pack of donuts. We we call it banter in the in the biz. It, it is yes. dialogue that serves no purpose and but it However, turns out to serve a purpose. This yes. does serve a purpose because on the wrapper is win ninety thousand dollars if you or ninety thousand mm-hmm. donuts. Or ninety thousand donuts. That's right. And so be and so be and so because of that establishing that donut wrapper that has the ninety thousand dollars or ninety thousand donuts, Earl is led to believe that uh, Jeff is somehow a is like a is like a donuts like a donut company CEO basically a donut king. A donut uh, king, yes. And so that's when and then it and then it triggers back in Jeff's head ninety thousand dollars and that's what essentially keeps him from getting his head blown off. And then we have this amazing sequence where they have to go back into town and he has to go to the bank and talk to the bank manager to withdraw $90,000 that he doesn't have. He doesn't have that money. <laughs> no, he can get his hands on like six or 8,000, something along those lines. If not, if maybe, maybe even less than that, like $5,000. Yeah. It's not, it's not much. Cause he, he has like, yeah, 4,000 in his bank account. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And he can max out his credit cards. I think he can only get like five hundred dollars on the credit card. So I think maybe he had like six thousand in the bank account, and then he could get like another five hundred off yes. the credit card. And he was like, "Give it to me all in ones, <laughs> so we yeah. can make this bag look big." But uh, <laughs> it felt like the perfect. It felt like the perfect setup for him to do a bank heist. It felt like he should have robbed the bank to get the ninety thousand to go save his wife. I, I'm not opposed to him p- trying to pull some trickery and pass off the the stacks of ones as ninety thousand mm-hmm. dollars but you know it just felt like it was the perfect setup for i'm sorry about this but i really have to rob the bank <laughs> <laughs> just the, I, uh, just the most humble uh, apologetic <laughs> bank robbery yeah and then, and then kurt russell just like turns into full-blown snake plus skin knocks out the bank manager robs yeah then the he bank, gets a gets taste for the- it he gets a yeah. taste for it. <laughs> it's like, man, I'm really good at bank robbering. <laughs> I'm really good at bank robbering. <laughs> <laughs> Thought you'd like that. <laughs> That's that line's got to be in the script for the remake breakdown. <laughs> but no, yeah, he has this uh, clever idea to b- basically steal a bunch of money ribbons uh, because he, they're money ribbons. Who cares? And then he's going to basically stack a shit ton of singles in between two $100 bills. Mm-hmm. Classic, classic, classic scam. Um, it's a real bamboozle. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he hoodwinks them good. He, he led them astray. <laughs> yes. And uh, it's, uh, uh, I believe run amok was the other term that was said in a uh, Malcolm X, <laughs> which I have to, I have, I haven't rewatched, but I've got the criteria Blu-ray that just came in. I got to rewatch that one. But yeah. And then, uh, yeah, he, he gets the money, and then Jeff is instructed to leave town, and then Earl picks him up and then uh, ties him up with duct tape because Earl's a smart guy like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfor- unfortunately, Kurt Russell knows how duct tape works, and so as long as you cut through the duct tape, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he hog ties him real good. Like, he's done that before. I think Amy's into some kinky duct tape play. Mm-hmm. Because um, he... He wraps him up expertly immediately. 
Like there's some clearly some like consensual non-consent stuff going on in their marriage and, you know, all power to them. I hope they have mm-hmm. fun. But Kurt Russell <laughs> is way more adept at tying someone up with duct tape than any normal mortal man should be. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Because when it, when it comes to he and his wife, they don't call it duct tape. They call it fuck tape. <laughs> get the fuck tape. <laughs> It's not fuck tape. It's fucked tape. <laughs> yep, we got to get the fucked tape. <laughs> get but the yeah, fucked tape. Uh, but so yeah, Jeff gets loose from uh, the tape, stabs Earl, and then uh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, well, I got ahead of you. I got ahead of you. Yeah, and, and then Jeff, yeah, he, Jeff Jeff ties up Earl later. Yeah, Jeff ties up Earl after stabbing him, and then yeah, and then Jeff ties him up, and he ties him up real good, real I mean, good, real good. Oh yeah. Because he's able to, like, hogtie him and then start going. And the time it takes a a normal civilian to stop and pull over and investigate, like, hey, what are you guys doing in there? And he takes off. It's like 60 seconds flat that uh, Earl is completely incapacitated with duct tape. This is why you don't fuck with Kurt Russell. You don't kidnap his wife. Anybody out there who anybody out there who's thinking about kidnapping Golden Hawn, watch Rush Breakdown. And then think think twice about doing that. Also, if you're thinking about kidnapping Goldie Hawn, go turn yourself into the police. That's really wrong. What I mean, did she ever do o- to you? Watch Overboard. You'll change your mind. Their love is pure. It is pure. Absolutely. It is. I'll Leave s- him alone. Yes. Leave Goldie alone. <laughs> exactly. And I love, oh my God, when, after he ties up Earl, it's so satisfying uh, watching Jeff as he's driving the truck, asking questions, and whenever... Uh, Earl is basically like, ah, fuck you. I don't know. Just slams on the brakes, like choking him. It's so satisfying. <laughs> yeah, you want the, me to stop? You really want me to stop? You really tell you want what, me to stop? That's a, that's a weird choice of words. Yeah, I bet, this, I bet you this baby stops on a fucking dime. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a fancy truck. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't you know that goddamn sheriff shows up and has to ruin Kurt Russell, who's trying to get shit done here. He's trying to find his wife, and then the sheriff shows up and stop and puts a stop to it because the sheriff now decides he wants to do his job. He feels like doing his job now. Yeah, he feels he's like had, doing. He's his had his job. lunch, and now he's ready to job. <laughs> so I had to look this up because it just occurred to me. I knew that Kate Hudson was Goldie Hawn's daughter, but I never put it together that she was Kurt Russell's daughter. So that's just a weird thing that I yeah. like. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> They've been together for a long time. Is Kate Hudson yes. his too? And she is, yes. Yes, she is. Yes, yes, she is. And they have been together for a very long time. Yeah, since since Overboard. I think that's when they met. And uh, when Kurt Russell was asked, uh, how come uh, you and Goldie haven't been married? And Kurt Russell goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix. Also, yeah, I mean, absolutely. So yeah, uh, they met in uh, 1983. Yes, that's that's when they met in 83. And that's the uh, same year as Overboard. Yeah. Man, Overboard's so good. That's that another fun. kind of good guilty pleasurey one because you know watching it forty years later, <laughs> there's some there's oh. some weird stuff, but man, it's charming as hell. Oh, and they and they also uh, Goldie and Kurt they did a movie before that called Swing Shift, oh. and it was directed by Jonathan Demi, Sansa Lambs, Jonathan Demi. Yeah, wow. Yes, well, I will watch any Kurt Russell movie, and so uh, I've also not I, I have not seen Swing Shift myself. So whatever you want to watch it, you let me know. I'm I'm down. It has to be. It has to be available somewhere. It does. It does. Oh man! Mm. But uh, yeah. So then the sheriff shows up and uh, he puts a stop to uh, Kurt Russell's tomfoolery. Yeah. He picks the to... he picks the wrong side. Really doubles down on his suspicion of Kurt Russell. Yeah, double downs on his suspicion of Kurt Russell, and of course that nearly gets the sheriff killed because the bad guy was the one tied up in the truck the whole time. 
<laughs> For some reason, he was very suspicious of Kurt Russell. He was probably jealous of his hair. <laughs> I mean, we all are. I mean, Kurt Russell's got a gray head of hair. He does. He still does. It's just, it's gray and magnificent. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. And then um, Earl shoots uh, the sheriff, and then uh, Jeff tries to get away, and that's when we get the uh, the shipper brains call back. Yeah. But no, the, the twist doesn't come that uh, Earl is secretly, a, is actually a good guy. Nope, not the case. He just gets shot dead. <laughs> because it makes it so the the CB radio thing is banter. Like that, the whole mm. shit for brains thing, you need to get a CB radio, like all of that never really comes back into play. Which oh, is man. fine. It's just kind of, yeah. it feels like such a setup. It feels like such a foreshadow. And maybe that's on purpose too. It's like maybe they want us to think like, oh, we got this guy all wrong. Mm-hmm. And, the, and like maybe it wants us to guess that for the movie. And then Earl tries to murder him a lot. And you're like, oh, I yeah. was wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's funny. The CB radio doesn't have that kind of payoff, but the the donut wrapper does. The donut wrapper has a, a fantastic payoff, yes. a, a completely unbelievable payoff, where they just <laughs> happen to say, "This guy ain't no donut king. Put a bull in his head. Ninety thousand dollars. It's ninety thousand. I have yeah, and, I have ninety thousand donuts in the bank account." Yeah, and, and Jeff remember and Jeff. Managed to he has remember to remember the com- number. Yeah, he has to remember. He, he, he remembered the number. He remembered that conversation. Like, how many times, Joe, have you had a conversation with your wife about something completely menial and and <laughs> just banal, and you just don't remember it at all? Oh, all the time. Like, just mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> was, there, was there ever a conversation that you had, and then 15 minutes later, you did not remember what you two talked about? <laughs> Absolutely. So, A go. thousand percent. Not just my yeah. wife, anybody. Any person I interact with. Yes. <laughs> that fades from my memory pretty quickly. So, so, Je- so Jeff's memory is real good. It's real sharp. Like he, he, he remembers every conversation he's ever had with his wife, <laughs> including but not limited. We get to. it. Kurt Russell's a perfect partner, and none of us can compare. We get <laughs> it. I mean, I mean, Goldie, I mean, Goldie Hawn's the the. It's Goldie Hawn's world. Uh, we're all living in it. She it all won. raises the question of why Amy tells the tells Red and his crew that they have ninety thousand dollars in the bank. I mean, if she if she were honest and she's like, yeah, we're we're not rich. We bought this car. I really wish we hadn't. We're making the payments, but yeah, we're we're getting by. We got like six thousand dollars in the bank. Wouldn't they just let her go at that point? Oh no, I think they no, I think they would have killed her. Yeah, you're probably right. I think they would have just iced her right there. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, lying to say that uh, they actually have ninety thousand dollars is a good way for her to stay alive. And uh, of course, where she ends up, there's no possible way that she would have been able to get out of it <laughs> without yeah. Kurt Russell coming in to uh, rescue her basically. And, and speaking of which, my goodness, I wonder, I wonder, uh, I wonder what happened with, um, with the wife of uh, red when she found the, <laughs> the freezer that had a, that had a person inside of it. <laughs> oh, it was, it was the divorce equivalent of having a truck dropped on your face. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> um, honey, why are you keeping a woman in a freezer under the, the barn? <laughs> no fucking shit, yeah. yeah especially because, like, the wife at that point, she, she told her son to shoot Jeff. <laughs> and then after that happens, then she sees the freezer and realizes, oh my god, my husband's a horrible monster. <laughs> and, then, and then she and her son and the old guy that's there that gets shot in the shoulder are stuck 
in that cellar, presumably for the rest of their lives. <laughs> yeah, who's gonna go get them? <laughs> who's left? Well, well, uh, well uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Red is also stuck down there too, but that he manages. Okay, the, yeah, Red's Red is out very quickly, so yeah. the, the others are out as well. So yeah, the others but, are out too. God, but it's not really explained how they get out. Like, yeah, someone in the crew goes and gets them. Yeah, I think it was a it was a Billy that went to go get them. Yeah, why wasn't Billy down there with them? Billy ran off. Oh, he uh, during yeah, he escaped during the uh, commotion in the kitchen. Well, that'll do it then. Uh, yeah, and then we get our uh, our sensational climax. I love it in movies when you see, you see the car get flipped and then the car explodes and the explosion just like comes right the fuck out of nowhere. But it's always satisfying. It always and explodes just from every direction. Like the the car was made out of plastic explosive. Love it. Yes, and that is the fate of Billy. And we mentioned dropping a truck on him. Listeners, here's the payoff to that. <laughs> Joe, why don't you break it down? <laughs> oh, I did not make that pun. I did not connect that pun. I couldn't resist. I saw the op- <laughs> I saw the opportunity and I took it and I was like, you know what, Joe, you're the host. And yeah. it, it, we're here. Uh, we, we're talking about breakdown because you want to talk about it. And it makes me happy because I love this movie. But could you give us a breakdown of the the piece de resistance of the climactic action sequence. It's pretty wild because there's a big car chase. You got Billy. You got another guy. Yes. Chasing down, chasing down the tailors. Oh, a shoulder wound guy. Yeah. Shoulder wound. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Chasing down the tailors, which probably should have been like the bartender comeback. Like, oh, yeah, he was in on it the whole time. Something like that. But it's just I mean, that would a, make a sense. nameless thug. Yeah. Yeah. Or the or the sheriff. I don't know. It felt like a waste to just have a be nameless shoulder wound guy. Yeah, um, I, I think that should have been. The, I agree. I think that, that should have been the bartender. I think that would have been a good payoff. Oh, yeah. Like you kind of suspect you kind of suspicious of him and to have it confirmed. So them and Red are all chasing down the tailors. They got to kill him. They got to stop them from talking. I'm trying to remember how Kurt Russell disposes of Billy and shoulder wound, how he gets them out of the picture in the first place. Mm hmm. I think a shoulder wound crashes into another car. And yeah, I think, uh, yeah, uh, Billy, he gets flipped somehow. I think it was from like a maneuver that Jeff did. And yeah, it's like, it's like he slams on his brakes as Billy is trying to ram him and yes, then goes over to the other side. I don't know. Some, some trickery, some snake Pliskin magic Kurt Russell does. Oh yeah. And then, uh, they all crash and Kurt Russell and red have to have to fight Oh, and the, the truck goes over the edge of a bridge and is hanging there. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they're, oh, fi- oh, they're oh, fighting on the hood of us of the truck, just like fist fighting yeah, while oh, hanging I, on the hood of a truck. Not not to interrupt you. I remember how a shoulder wound dies. He crashes mm. into the into the back of um, Red's trailer. Because Red's oh, truck. That's right. Because the yes. the trailer like skids ahead and out out passes the truck and flips and yeah. Yep. It's it's mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but red and <laughs> red and kurt russell are fighting on the hood of the truck and red or kurt russell wins and red falls down to the like creek below and hits some rocks <laughs> and kurt russell has to climb up into the truck to uh to find his wife who hits a lever pumps the gas does something to the truck to make it finish going over the edge and just <laughs> land on red below <laughs> <laughs> who just looks absolutely terrifying. <laughs> yeah, because they 
right before she drops the truck on him, he looks over the bridge and he sees that Red is still alive. Yeah. And then Kathleen Turner's like, the fuck you are. <laughs> Kathleen Turner. <laughs> Kathleen Quinlan, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Ka- Kathleen Turner was in the movie that I watched last night, uh, not oh. uh, Breakdown. <laughs> so, which uh, that will come up in my recommendations uh, and plugs once we get to that point. But nice. uh, yes, yes. So, but no, Kathleen Quinlan, yeah, Kurt Russell looks over. Sees that JT Walsh is uh, still alive, and Kathleen Quinlan's like, the fuck you are alive. And then that's how we lost uh, JT Walsh. May he rest in that's peace. How we, that's how we lost him, yep. <laughs> Mad respect, committed to the bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know what? I think this is a good one to, to, to end it all on. I think I don't think I don't think my career's gonna peak after this. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's not like a Twilight Zone movie situation. Like this is how it was planned, and he's like, I mm-hmm. I I feel good about this. I feel this is a good way to die. <laughs> it was it was it was Walsh's idea. Yeah, it was all Walsh's idea for yeah. sure. <laughs> and, and the studio was like, Are you sure you want to do this? It's like, guys, I've already the the last will of testament's been been signed. It's 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 in it's in court now. Like you got to do it. <laughs> I insist that I be murdered by Kathleen Quinlan. <laughs> yes, we've already worked out who's gonna owe, who's gonna run my estate. We've got the dowry all lined up. Come on, let's go. <laughs> it's a beautiful day. <laughs> it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day in Arizona. We just been shooting in Sedona, which is you know stunning as fuck. Yep. Let's uh, let's crush me with a truck. Yeah, this is a beautiful way to die. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yep, Jeff, Jeff and Amy, uh, after all is said and done, they sit and they embrace each other, and they uh, they wait for the police to arrive, who will no doubt arrest the two of them. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but I, I appreciate that the that's where the credits end. Yeah. Like, that's where the credits come in. That's where the movie ends. Is like, as soon as J.T. Walsh is dead... And they Roll take crit. a moment's breather for a falling action. Yes. Like the entire falling action of the film is them like sitting down. <laughs> They're like, okay, we're done. Yep. That's all. Oh, that's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. This, yeah. Cause this, this movie's in and out designed. It's it, a yeah. great example of something I tell my students when we're talking about like playwriting or screenwriting specifically, but because I'm mm-hmm. a playwright and a screenwriter, I tend to apply this to other genres as well. I'm like, let's minimize the time before the inciting incident. And the inciting incident is, Kurt Russell getting cut off by that car like 10 seconds into the movie and yeah. let's minimize the time after the climax and it's just them sitting down 10 seconds at the end everything else is like inciting incident to climax just mm-hmm. rising action the whole fucking time oh it's so good it's so good so good you thinking of uh, presenting the screenplay to this uh, for uh, the next semester as like an I mean example? I, sh- I should have them I should have them read it yeah if I can I find it sh- somewhere yeah that's a, that's a good idea. And also, well, not to read it just in terms of like how to, you know, kind of get that structure and everything. But also, we were talking earlier about, you know, the setup with the whole CB radio and how that doesn't really have a payoff. You know, what you what what what, what could a person do with that? Like if you were to take that script and if you need to like fix something, fix something with a CB radio, perhaps. So I like that. I like that a lot. Because I think at one point he gets in a truck and tries to use a CB radio to do something, but it doesn't really go anywhere because they like come back out to the barn to check on something and he has to hide. Yeah. Something like, like I don't, the CB radio really goes nowhere. But um, mm-hmm. other than that, like this is a pretty flawless film that mm-hmm. has become kind of obscure. Like I don't feel like people talk about it. A lot of people have seen it, heard about it. 
But it's like such a great, like you said at the beginning, Hitchcockian thriller. It is worthy of that title. It really it's is. It's very though. North by Northwest. It's very, mm-hmm. um, what's another good, it's very rear window-y uh, other than like the, you know, in tone, in tone. Yeah. Well, I mean, this isn't Hitchcock, but uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, Duel, Spielberg's film. Of course. Yeah. It's very Duel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Steven Spielberg's North by Northwest, this movie. It, and yeah. that's high praise. That is high praise. That's a great way to describe Breakdown. Steven Spielberg's North by Northwest. Mm-hmm. I like that. Because I, like I fucking love Duel. And this is very Duel-like. Oh, yeah. If, if if the truck and duel caught up with him and kidnapped his wife and then they had to fight to the death, that would be duel. Yes, yes, <laughs> that would be this. I mean, it's wild too is that it got re- it got really good reviews. Um, Roger Ebert gave it a positive review, called it tout, skillful, and surgically effective. Surgically effective, I like that. Eighty three percent of critics on Rotten Tomatoes uh, gave it their endorsement. So it's got a it's got a seven out of ten on IMDb. Okay, someone from the Washington Post criticized Kurt Russell for not conveying a desperate husband willing to fight for his missing wife. Did you not see the fucking movie, Washington that's Post? Someone who, that's someone who did not watch the movie and just kind of made up the review as he went. And as yes. someone who's done that, I can recognize it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't really have time to watch this, but I, I feel like I should post a review because it's one of the bigger releases. I'm just going to pretend I watched it and like, yeah, I like this thing about it. I didn't like that thing about it. I'm just kind of a harmless review. <laughs> right. But like, yeah, this one here is just sort of like, okay, you're just admitting that you did not see the movie, like not conveying a desperate husband willing to fight for his missing wife. That's the fucking movie. It's the whole movie. And he does it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. And Kurt Russell is. Yeah. That desperation is on his face in every scene. Like once once the gaslighting starts, it's on his face every fucking scene. <laughs> yeah, once he realizes what JT Walsh is trying to pull, he freaks the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like he's ready to just beat the shit out of him. Which is, you know, what gaslighting does. Like when someone tries to change your perception of reality, you resist it pretty hard. Oh yeah, you do. As you should resist pretty hard. Because like gaslighting is like that's really fucking horrible thing to do to a person. Anybody who thinks it's a totally acceptable thing to do to a person is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope a truck falls on you. Falls on your face. Until right your on your face. Right. <laughs> R.I.P. J.T. Walsh. <laughs> uh, is- one thing we didn't talk about yes. that I, I really like in the movie is when um, Kurt Russell stows away under the ghost of J.T. Walsh's 18-wheeler. Yes, yes. He could just hang there, but they like drive all night, which is which is weird. And maybe more of a, a continuity error with the film because, you know, it's light when he jumps on. It's dark when they get to the house and it's light like as the climax plays out, like it's the next morning. Mm-hmm. So like all of that takes place overnight is like so they must have driven a long ways, even though I think it's pretty clear that J.T. Walsh lives in the area anyway. Yeah. He, he can't hold on. It's so far that he can't hold on. So he has to like crawl under the truck to a better position. And it's just really intense. And it's like, a, it's a nice little set piece in the movie of him, like just trying to climb under this truck without being noticed. So he can yes. follow the ghost of JT Walsh back to wherever he's keeping his wife. 
Mm-hmm. And also not to mention, too, because they're, they're riding for such a long time. Yeah, his arms wouldn't be able to hold on to that position. So him having to move around, very nice little attention to detail there. What are the things that you noticed about this movie when we revisited it? I just, I love how everything ties together. There's not a dull moment. No, no. I'm almost tempted to say, listeners, you know, if you haven't seen it, I mean, I know we just spoiled the entire movie for you, but go watch it. Holy shit. Yeah, absolutely. If you haven't seen it, see it. Like, yeah, you know, like a lot of the major stuff that happens, but it's not going to make it any less thrilling, I think, to know how the movie goes. Oh, I mean, I've seen this movie a number of times now, and the time we watched it together, it's like, man, this movie is damn near perfect. I, the only flaw is what we talked about with the CB radio feeling like it was really set up and then going nowhere. But other than that, yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty perfect to me, too. Yeah, the thing the, came... I, I would also I would also change the damsel in distress situation. OK, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's <clears> 97. <throat> the further you go back in time, the more that's going to be a problem. Right. <laughs> and at least like they at least let the uh, the damsel in distress confirm the kill. Yeah, she she pulls the lever and drops the truck and she's like. Fuck you, motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, they could have given that to Kurt Russell and nobody would have nobody would have batted an eye. But the fact that they let Kathleen Quinlan do it, it's like, OK, yeah, that that's that's appropriate. That is mm-hmm. poetic. <laughs> I just would have liked to see like he's working the whole movie to get to her and free her. But before he can actually save her, um, he's caught. Then she has to free herself and save him. Like, I feel like there's a, a better dynamic you could have played with where like, oh, they're equals. Yeah, they're yeah, they're both equally damsels at this point. At one point, I, I yeah, I yeah, like that. They're, like they're that. damsels at different times. They get themselves out of things, but she does too. It's like she doesn't need Kurt Russell to save her, but that's an impulse that comes into cinema, right? Unfortunately, yeah. much later. <laughs> yeah, like twenty yeah. years later, that starts to not be as common of a problem. <laughs> Whatever it takes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I'm still really happy with the movie. I think it's really fun. That's just one thing oh, yeah. I would change. Oh, absolutely. I, I I would agree with that. But otherwise, though, like, here's the thing. After we're done, we're recording this. Um, a, if if anybody wants to watch a Breakdown with me, obviously, the answer is yes. We will watch Breakdown because mm-hmm. that movie fucking rolls. And uh, I, I don't I don't have much else to add myself. Yeah, I feel like we covered it. I mean, it's a it's a short film. Like it's, yeah, it's real tight. It moves fast. And so you get through it and I don't even know how long it ended up being. Like, is it like 85 minutes? I mean, yeah, I think like it 80, feels real short. I think like 85 minutes of just movie. It's 93 minutes. What do you think? You should move on to guilty pleasures. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what we do on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. You give me any character you want. I'll tell you their guilty pleasure. <sighs> OK, tell me what Billy's guilty pleasure is. Oh, good one. Mm-hmm. And you can do... That's going to be a fun one. Oh, you can do Sheriff Boyd. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Sheriff Boyd's guilty pleasure uh, is that whenever he goes and gets himself a haircut, uh, because he's, <laughs> he's only got the horseshoe, Yeah. Uh, what he likes to do is he likes to get it all shaved completely off, and he wants to. he likes to get his head waxed. And the reason why he likes to do that is because whenever he goes home to his wife, she can uh, drop her panties and then rub her butt up against his head. <laughs> and that and that really drives him crazy like that, that 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 makes all the hairs on his mustache just like stand up in excitement. And that's his guilty pleasure. That also explains why he's 
he's been so like uh, apprehensive uh, towards uh, Jeff is because uh, Jeff's saying wife's missing. Oh God, don't talk about a missing wife. I don't want to think about my wife like that. I'm plus I want to go home and fuck my wife. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go home and make love to my wife. Bum 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 bum. I like that because he's right. such a tool. He right. is. All right, my my theory on Billy, as far as his guilty pleasure, I think ties into why he got involved with Red's posse to begin with. Because mm. I think I think he was at a low point in his life, and I think that um, Red just, like a good cult leader, gave him the guidance he needed, the push in the right direction, gave him his own private midsomar, if you will, <laughs> in joining this crew. Um, but I think before that, when Billy was capable of feeling joy. His guilty pleasure was going to Happy Days conventions. <laughs> <laughs> Cosplaying as Richie Cunningham in the costume contest. And the last time he did it, they said, aren't you getting a little old for this? And he was so destroyed that he went into human trafficking after that. It's funny you mentioned uh, Richie Cunningham because the same year that this came out was uh, Austin Powers. And whenever uh, they go to the casino, uh, Austin Powers tells number two, my name is Richie Cunningham. And this is my wife, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you said Richie Cunningham, it's like, wait, what else is what else is Richie Cunningham? Oh my God, Austin Powers, the first one. <laughs> Completely forgot about that. But no also 90, that. 90, 1997, it all ties together. All ties together. All ties together. Yeah. Well, good Joe, times. Good movie. Good movie. Uh, go watch Breakdown if you haven't seen it, listeners. If you have seen it, watch it again. It's still so much fun. Uh, Joe. Is there anything you would like to plug or recommend? Oh, I'm on the spot first. You know, I mentioned it to you, but I don't think I've plugged it on the show. I had mm -hmm. a real great time watching Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. Oh, yes, yes. It's a time travel comedy uh, shot in one take. Well, not really, but, you know, it has the illusion of being shot in one take. And basically the premise is this guy discovers that his television and the television down in the like cafe in the lobby of his apartment complex are linked and they can talk to each other. And the one in the lobby is two minutes ahead in time. So he looks through it in his bedroom and he sees himself two minutes later talking to himself, completing a conversation he's already had with himself. And so his friends discover this and they start to play with it. And like, it just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. It's really uh, ambitious and absurd and so impressively put together. It's really funny. So if you've not seen Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, it's 80 minutes long. It is, or 70, it's 70 minutes long. Mm. It is a breeze and it's a blast. And it's one of the best movies I've seen this year so far. It rules. Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. I'm going to check that one out. It is on Amazon Prime. Outstanding, outstanding. Actually, I think I might even watch it after we get done recording, since it's going to be that short. Fuck yeah. My plug or recommendation was a film that I discovered on the Criterion channel. And actually, uh, no, that's not entirely true. What One of the films that I'm going to recommend I discovered on uh, the Criterion channel, the other was recommended to me by my girlfriend, Bethany. Now, the first recommendation uh, is a film called The Heroic Trio which stars Michelle Yeoh and Maggie Chung. And they mm. are they are part of a, a, a titular heroic trio. Uh, quite frankly, Joe, I, I know this is going to be kind of a, a bold statement to make, but uh, when we did our uh, uh, high five uh, superheroes and superpowers 
uh, superhero movies of superpowers. I I had not seen the heroic trio at the time, and if I had prior to the, making that list for my high five superhero movies, the heroic trio would definitely be up there. Uh, it is one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. Come on, it's Michelle Yeoh and Maggie Chung. They're two of the of the heroic trio titular characters. I mean, come on. It's it's wild, it's bonkers, the, the superpowers are insane, they make no sense, and it's also shockingly violent as well. Like, they, the team who made the Heroic Trio could have made a pretty damn good Mortal Kombat movie uh, in terms of, like, the amount of, like, blood spitting there is in it. The second film uh, that my girlfriend Bethany recommended is a Ken Russell film called uh, Crimes of Passion, that's ha- that's the one that's got Kathleen Turner because I I accidentally called oh. Kathleen Quinlan and Kathleen Turner and co-starring in it as a creepy priest is Anthony Perkins. Yes, Norman Bates oh, from nice. Norman Bates from Psycho himself. Yes, and <laughs> in a weird way because we I we, I had done a double I did a double feature with uh, Bethany recently. We watched uh, Psycho and then we watched uh, Crimes of Passion and Crimes of Passion. Oddly enough kind of works as a sequel to Psycho. Uh, it is also batshit. It's it's hilarious as well. Uh, it's worth seeing because uh, Kathleen Turner plays a really wonderful hooker with a heart of gold kind of character in this. And then you've got Anthony Perkins as the foil, as the villain. And it's glorious. Absolutely glorious. So my recommendations are The Heroic Trio and Crimes of Passion. Sounds fun. I might have to borrow your uh, Criterion subscription and check out some stuff. Ooh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And in the meantime, uh, Joe, this has been so much fun, as always. It was fun. It was fun to watch the movie with you. We should hang out more often and watch more movies together. Uh, Yes, especially as I'm... As I'm going through my moving on process uh, after my after my dearly departed mother, getting together with you to like sit and watch something that just little things like that in life really go a long way, you know. Well, I am always around for that kind of shenanigan. Well, we will have to shenanigan it up real soon. Um, in the meantime, please follow us on Twitter at Word Salad Radio. Join the Word Salad Radio Hood's Facebook group. Contribute to Patreon.com/slash Word Salad to help us out. Or help out Cadavercast, our sister show. Or write us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts so more people find us. So, Tyler, thanks for coming and talking about a Kurt Russell movie with me. Uh, Joe, as always, thank you for having me on to talk Kurt Russell with you. It's always a fun time. Always. I want to thank everyone for listening. You are not guilty. Good night, Andrew. Andrew.